Hello, and welcome to the Motivate Change podcast, inspiring heart disease survivors to live a longer, healthier life. I'm your host, Devin Brzezinski, a fellow heart disease survivor and occupational therapy student here to help you navigate a world of uncertainty after a cardiac event. So if you know me, you know that I'm a big proponent of getting enough sleep and uh, enough rest throughout our day. And I talk about the importance of sleep and how the American Heart Association recognize sleep as one of the key factors that contributes to heart health. So I am pleased to introduce Annika Carroll. She is a sleep expert, nutritionist, and health coach who helps people discover why they're not sleeping well from a very granular level and customizes a sleeping regime to improve your overall health and well-being. Welcome, Annika. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I guess maybe just give our listeners a little bit of background on you and, and maybe how you you came to get really get into sleep and what your journey has been like. Yeah, my sleep journey was that I I actually have a degree originally in international business and I used to work in the corporate world at Johnson and Johnson for 15 years in in human resources. Hmm. And I always thought I was an amazing sleeper. I would go to bed quite early. I'm like an early bird type person. And I would rise before the alarm. I'd go to work. I'd give it my all. I'd go to the gym at night. I'd come home, fall asleep. That was kind of it. Until I had my son. And that was a very traumatic experience for me because he was a super preemie. And we were in the hospital for a long time with him. And um, that was a well, it was a very traumatic experience which I kind of didn't ever admit to at mm-hmm. that time even though I was having physical symptoms that I was just like this is just I'm just tired from like not sleeping with a child and all yeah. that stuff and I went back to work a year after he was born um had a job that I I would say didn't really love then I got a job that I loved gave it my all and completely burned out like I was like on the couch, not moving. It was, that was that. Mm. And um, yeah. And the trauma was definitely part of it, but there were other things part of it. And the weirdest thing was that I couldn't sleep. You know, I'd go to bed at like, I don't know, nine o'clock. It was early. And I would be up at one o'clock every night for months on end. And it just didn't get better. And my doctor was like, yeah, you have to go see a therapist. I think this whole trauma thing is kind of blowing up, which wasn't wrong. Um, that was definitely part of the equation, but mm-hmm. there were so many physical things that had popped up that I was kind of like, yeah, you know, no doctor can help me. I look fine. Blood tests came back normal. Like they ran everything. And then eventually I went down a more holistic path where I looked with naturopaths and other functional practitioners into what was actually going on in my body. Cause I was like, this can't be that I'm not sleeping. I'm exhausted. Like I cannot make it through the day. I have panic attacks, the full thing. It's just not right. And there were so many things underlyingly wrong hmm. um, that were keeping my body from resting. And then I've, after I did that, I had another burnout when we moved from Germany to Canada, because I'm originally from Germany. That was a big thing. And then I kind of thought I'd caught it, but I hadn't. Um, it's too late. <laughs> and then uh, I was like, you know what, but this happens to so many people. And you talk to people and you're like, like everybody actually has these issues. Nobody talks about them. 
but there's so many people who need help with it. And once I've understood how all these different aspects of what we do, what we eat, how we treat our body affect our sleep, more than just, and it's an important one, but more than just turning your phone off an hour before you go to bed. Uh-huh. Um, that was kind of when I was like, you know, I, I'm going to, this, this is my thing. It used to be my superpower and I lost it and I got it back. So I'm going to have to help other people get their <laughs> sleep. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, there's a lot to kind of unpack in just what you shared there. I think there's a lot of lessons in there. I mean, what were some of your warning signs that you weren't getting enough sleep? You said that there were a lot of physical things that kept coming up. Can you speak Um, to those at all? Yeah. Well, for me, it was um, definitely things like memory issues, brain fog were big ones, like concentration issues, right? General fatigue. Like I couldn't make it through the day. I'm not a coffee person, but at that time I was having coffee all the time and it Mm -hmm. didn't work with that. Um, Weight gain around the midsection, like this, you know, I now lovingly call it the cortisol tire, but that's basically what it was. I was like, I'm not eating more. I'm not sleeping. I'm just puffing up. It's just not Mm -hmm. nice. I was having joint pain. I was like, I'm too young for this. Like this can't be rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it is. But I was like, I couldn't hold the cake. There were days in the month where I couldn't hold a fork. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. I, my periods were all over the place. Hmm. It was so heavy. I was, I, it was just all kinds of different things. And it was just the uh, digestive problems. It was, uh, yeah, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, we, we obviously know that sleep's important for us, but do you know the backing of why it's so important for us? Well, yeah, there is, I would say there's, to me, there's two big things when it comes to sleep. One is it's that rest, it's that rest and repair state, right? It's when we earlier in the night is when our body releases what's called human growth hormone, which is when our cells repair, we break them down all the time. But during the day, when we're exposed to a lot of stress, a lot of toxins, all this kinds of stuff, right? We need to repair our body, our organs, everything. And all that happens in the earlier part of the night, they say roughly about like 11 to 2. So 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when you want to have that sleep to have that rest and repair. And then in the later stages of the night, and that is something that often gets forgotten, um, is when we have more REM sleep. So we go through sleep cycles. They're about 90 minutes long. They can be a little longer or shorter. And we always have deep sleep and REM sleep. And um, the REM sleep amount in those sleep cycles gets bigger the later the night gets. So technically the closer we come to the morning, the longer we have slept, the percentage Mm -hmm. of REM sleep increases. And if we cut our nights short, we lose REM sleep because if we get up after six hours, we have significantly less REM sleep than after eight hours. And what happens during REM sleep is emotional regulation. So everything that we've experienced, it gets regulated when we get that REM sleep. And if we don't, we just become grumpy, frustrated, easily, easy to be triggered. And we know it from kids, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. if you have a small kid and they didn't get a good night's sleep, you know, there's going to be not fun the next day. And you're like, oh, there's going to be a nap and they'll be fine. And they will be. And we are the exact same way. We just don't take that nap. Mm-hmm. 
Well, sometimes <laughs> some, <laughs> some people take naps. Yeah. I love naps too. I'm not one of them, but <laughs> no. yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um, and I didn't even think about the, the sleep cycles and I know REM sleep is really important for memory too. So, and, but I didn't even think about regulating your emotions. So I talk a lot to my patients about how your mental health can directly relate to your sleep. But do you also think that sleep or lack of sleep can then trigger mental health issues as well? Yes. And um, that is actually part of the equation or part of the explanation is that emotional regulation not taking place properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this can show up anywhere. Like if you even look at um, people who suffer from depression or people who suffer from anxiety, which are like m- the most common mood disorders, right? Yeah. Um, there's always a piece of insomnia linked to these people's histories or life. So they, we don't really like, they affect each other. Sometimes it's a bit of a question of a chicken and the egg, right? What came first, but they're linked. They're definitely linked. And if we get a person's sleep back, and I see this often in my clients, because I have a lot of people who come and are saying, you know what, I'm this close to go on antidepressants because I can't deal with my life anymore. Once we get them sleeping, there is no more discussion about that because they're regulated they're grounded they just have that like their shoulders are wide or you can just you're more resilient you can just take more because your body had time to recover and digest everything mentally that was that was going on and the other thing that people might have heard of something that came up a few years ago more in the discussion when we talk about dementia and alzheimer's is the glymphatic flush so we have a lymphatic system that runs parallel to our bloodstream, right? Where toxins get like circulated around the body, ideally then leave the body through the liver and bowel movements and the kidneys. Um, And our brain also clears out when we sleep. And that is the glymphatic flush is what it's called. And we need sufficient amount of sleep to have that because if we don't, what's been shown is that the body builds up plaque beta amyloid for people who are into the Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and that's just everybody's like oh beta amyloid is bad no beta amyloid is actually your body's protective mechanism to protect your brain because it knows something's wrong there might be inflammation and other things going on in the body and the body's just protecting you um but it only needs that because there's so much stuff and if we get rid of that stuff because we have stressless times we sleep we rest we support the body a lot better and we can work against that. Wow. That is fascinating. I did not, I, you said, sorry, it was called the glymphatic lymphatic flush. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I will have to look more into that because that's something I've never heard of before. That's really interesting. Um, so when, when you think about your sleep in general, um, what are some like good first steps in order to have a good night's sleep? Because as, as an OT student, like occupational therapists, we can adapt someone's environment, um, looking at their bedroom, for instance, and making sure it's like a really relaxing environment to get someone ready and prepared or the body ready to go to bed. Um, so do you have any recommendations as far as sleep goes or like where to really start? Yeah, I think there's two 
big areas kind of where you can start. And the one is what you just described. That's what I would call external environment. So is my bedroom dark? Is it cool? Is it quiet? Those are like the basics. Is my partner snoring really loudly? Because and this and if this is really disturbing me, then I think you have to have a conversation about this. Like a nice partner snoring, because this could be a health thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking sleep apnea potentially, is this just something where we have a jaw misalignment? And if a if a dentist puts a mouth guard in, then this is all fine. If this is a problem, have a conversation and see what this might lead to might this lead to potentially sleeping in different bedrooms i know people often don't want to hear that but sleep is so important that even if this is a temporary measure just to make sure you both get a good night's sleep might be something um the other thing in terms of yeah do we look at our phones do we stimulate our brain too much an hour or two before we go to sleep Mm -hmm. I'm definitely an external factor, right? Then do we um, drink caffeine too late in the day? People often underestimate um, the half-life of caffeine in the body. If you have a coffee at one o'clock in the afternoon and you're somebody who doesn't overly fastly get caffeine out of the system, at 11 o'clock at night, you still have a quarter cup left. That's like going to Starbucks at 11 o'clock at night and saying, can you give me like a short, I think they're called. Hmm. Um, you would never do that. Like none of us would seriously ever go to Starbucks at 11 at night to order coffee. You're, like, you'd be, you're crazy. Just consider how long caffeine can stay in your body and when you're having coffee throughout the day. So those are kind of like external stimulants. Then there's internal things. Am I eating too late potentially too heavy too late am i not eating properly throughout the day and am i sending my body on a blood sugar roller coaster ride because mm-hmm. a lot of us and i see it in a lot of my clients they're like you know what i really want to lose weight also so i actually haven't really eaten much at all or i'm eating a massive salad with very little protein and fat And then, but I'm kind of starving by the time it comes dinner. And that's the massive meal that I'm having then. Yeah. Or those are eating until eight, 9 PM at night. That too, eating really late. Um, And then if that's like your first or your big meal of the day, your body's like, yeah, I have energy. Like, let's go. Uh (laughs) No, I'm trying to go to bed. Yeah. But we're sending the wrong signal at the wrong time of the day. So I would really try to. And I don't necessarily want to say front load your calories to the early part of the day, but t- to a degree, a little like have a have a good breakfast so you have energy, have a healthy lunch with veggies, with protein, with healthy fats, and then have a smallerish dinner, um, and that should be good. And if you're hungry in between, make sure you eat something that is not a muffin or a bagel or something that spikes your blood sugar, but something that is always a protein, a fat, and a fiber. So I'm just picking something. Um, a, a banana with some nut butter or avocado with crackers, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, like just something more healthy that doesn't sugar laden. And so, because blood sugar stability is one of the reasons why people wake up between one and three because their blood sugar mm-hmm. drops too low because they've kind of not been watching it well throughout yeah. the day. And um, the other things that I find really is this 
yeah, have a practice where you can kind of deal with what's coming up throughout the day and throughout the day. Yep. And not the minute you hit the pillow when it's quiet for the first time and your brain's like, oh, it's quiet. She's going to, or he's going to listen. Let's bring all the chatter in, right? We kind of want to have that chatter before. So when we go to bed, we can actually fall asleep. Um, So what I like to do there with, because that's like a common thing that we deal with. So what I like to do there is for clients to do two things. One is really make sure you take small rests throughout the day. And for me, they can be five minute breaks. They don't need to be bigger than that, but it's a break for you. So you might step outside, get some light, not with your phone, Mm -hmm. with nothing, like Mm -hmm. bring a glass of water, um, but, or tea or something, but that's about it just to do nothing quiet and Thoughts might come up and that's fine, right? You might start processing things, but that's important because that way you've kind of started processing before you want to go to bed. The other thing I really like is is a brain dump, which is something I like um, for people to do kind of at the end of your workday. So like five-ish o'clock at night, maybe before you make dinner. Mm -hmm. um, And what is a brain dump? You just take a piece of paper and a pen And you write down everything that's on your mind. Anything from, oh, haven't called mom, need to pick up medications from the pharmacy, really annoyed by my neighbor who stole my parking spot. I'm just making things up here. Anything. This is not a to-do list. You can technically make one out of it. But this is just to get the thoughts that are in your head on paper. Because that way your brain knows oh, they're taken care of. I've seen them being written down. I can let go. And then you don't have this massive to-do list running like in front of your eyes kind of when you try to go to bed. I think those are really important. And I think the other one that um, often I find helps for people who have anxiety when they either go to bed or when they wake up in the middle of the night is really a gratitude practice. And that is something we kind of have to learn a little if we're not used to that. But that's just, and you can write them down, but I just kind of like people also to just do them in their head if they want. Think yeah, of three things. Yeah, or say them out loud. Maybe not your partner sleeping and you kind of woke up, but yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm doing my gratitude. <laughs> really find three things you were grateful for that day. Right. And sometimes this seems very overwhelming to people because they're like, oh, my God, today, nothing good happened. It was really not a good day. No, you know what? There's always little things that we can find that we were actually grateful for. And if it was the person at the grocery store who like the cashier who had a nice smile or they had a great small little chat with you and it made you feel good or you helped somebody do something or whatever it was. Right. Because those things is. Gratitude and fear can't exist in parallel. Your brain can't do it. One or the other takes over. And if fear creeps in, we can push fear out by focusing on gratitude. And it often helps people to calm down at night mm-hmm. and they know they're going to be okay and they can fall asleep and then they they can. Yeah, I love those. So you said journaling was a great way. Just mind dump, get everything out. 
um, practicing gratitude and taking those five minutes throughout your day that you can just sit down, relax without any distractions, either outside, or maybe you're going on like a walk somewhere, maybe just sitting in silence. Um, yeah, I, I think those are all fantastic. I have a, a weekly session that I do at the hospital. And so in part of my, uh, reducing stress and getting better sleep group, we talk about those types of ways to, reduce your stress and therefore become calmer to be able to fall asleep. So, um, that definitely jives with the things that I've been telling my patients to do. Um, so then for when we're trying to differentiate like the quality of our sleep, because we can, we can be in bed for 10 hours, Mm -hmm. right. But then if we're only actually getting four hours of sleep or five, how, how do you know? I mean, I wear a Fitbit with me. So I, I'm able to track that and look in the morning to say, okay, I'm tired this morning. Did I get enough REM sleep? Did I toss and turn throughout the night? So that gives me a a good, um, I guess, parameter, um, or gauge of, of, okay, like I did well Mm -hmm. sleeping tonight or not. Do you have any other suggestions as far as how people might be able to, to know what type of quality sleep they get? Yeah. The thing with sleep trackers, I'm a bit torn to be honest with sleep trackers. And the reason being, they're not 100% accurate. They were made for movement originally. And that's kind of how they track if you're sleeping, except for the aura ring, which is the most accurate sleep tracker right now. if, If you go with those kinds of devices. Um, And I find it often, if people don't sleep well, it often puts more stress on them. So Mm. I always say, if if you're tracking and you're okay with that, because you kind of use it as a, just to verify how you're feeling kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're trying to improve your sleep and this freaks you out, move the sleep, like don't use the sleep tracker. That is such a great point. It it can cause people so much stress. And so much anxiety, and then they kind of try and fix something. But by trying to fix your sleep, you're already self-sabotaging your sleep. It just mm-hmm. does, sleep just doesn't work that way. Um, we need to be like safe and relaxed, and then it will work. And if we're not there because we're freaking out about the amount percentage of REM or deep sleep we're getting, then we're just not going to have a great sleep. So how do you know? And um, if you are in bed for ten, like, well, there's two ways. I think one is: Are you giving your body enough opportunity to sleep? So if you are somebody who goes to bed at one and needs to get up at six and you're like, I'm always tired. Yeah, well, there was five hours of opportunity for your body to sleep. Mm -hmm. That is not a big window. So we need to work on that window, right? But if you are giving your body enough window um, and you're still tired or you know you've tossed and turned a lot, yeah, then it's time to really look into that and and I see this with clients a lot that um, they often then extend that window and eight hours become nine, become 10, become 11, become 12. Oh my and gosh. they, yeah, just to get eventually eight hours of super fragmented sleep that, and they still don't feel great. Yeah. Um, because you kind of want this solid with this few small wake-ups maybe, but you still want a somewhat solid sleep. Um if that happens to you, there's a few things you can do. You can, um, and we normally say about half an hour and it can be more, if it takes you a little more than half an hour to fall asleep and you start feeling nervous, mm-hmm. 
get out of bed. Um, because your body is going to start associating the bed with worrying mm-hmm. and not being able to fall asleep. So if you're somebody who can just lay there and rest and you're not bothered, I personally would stay in bed and rest. But if you're starting to get anxious and you're like, oh my God, I only have seven more hours and I'm going to have to get up and get out of bed, do something like read a book, fold the laundry, something not too revving, like not scroll social media or like don't get on your phones, but do something dim light at home until you're tired, like really tired and then go back to bed. Um, Same thing kind of for when you wake up in the middle of the night, as soon as you get really frustrated and nervous about sleep, get out of bed. Hmm. Um, It's just, otherwise it's just counterproductive. Um, If you're waking up and you kind of feel like you're hungry, really start watching when and what you're eating during the day because that could be one of those oh my blood sugar tanked yeah um and that can happen to people a lot continuously and then if they just have a small snack before bed they might do a lot better because their blood sugar won't dip and they won't and they will be able to sleep through um because it's kind of like once we're up like really we woke up and we're like we're up um, cortisol kicks in. That's our stress hormone that suppresses melatonin, the hormone that help, helps us be sleepy. Mm-hmm. And the body needs about 90 minutes to metabolize that cortisol. So that's why you're like, oh, great. Like it's one o'clock. I know I'm not going to fall asleep between like by 2.30 or 3. Yes, because your body is still like in a stress mode. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to accelerate that breaking down of cortisol. You can just do stuff to prevent it from staying high. Hmm. That's just kind of what we have to accept at that moment. That's biology. That's how it works. So we can't make it go away faster, but we can prevent the body from shooting more stress hormone in, in that situation and having it calm it down, have melatonin come back, and then we'll be able to go back to sleep. Yeah. I think in the patients that I've worked with, um, I talk a lot about breath work Mm-hmm. and trying to do like some box breathing or mm-hmm. some guided imagery type breath, because that will help to calm the sympathetic nervous system and get you into more of that rest and digest state. Absolutely. And maybe you have something like, you know, there's a place that you really like, and if it's a vacation spot that you go to or something like that, yeah, right? Just- yeah picture yourself in these places and you're enjoying that and something that really doesn't stress you. Um, sometimes I also like to, um, use the imagery of actually work through everything you did during the day, starting from, I woke up, I got out of bed really slowly. I brushed my teeth, like things really boring, every teeny tiny step. It's so boring. People tend to tend to fall asleep from that. Yeah. That's a great suggestion too. So you, you said that you provide one-on-one coaching services. So, and it seems like you take a really customized approach because everyone is so unique in what they're going through. So can you kind of walk through what that looks like? Mm -hmm. So how I look at sleep or people's inability to sleep is that there's something in your system that increases your body stress response. And with that increase of cortisol and that's why you can't sleep and that can be stress like mental stress like we talked about that is where aspects like cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia work some of the tools we just talked about are some of those that come out of that 
Um, but there's also physical underlying problems. So I see a lot of people have gut issues, inflammation in the gut, parasites, candida, so yeast overgrowth, hormone imbalances, low testosterone, low estrogen, low progesterone. Those are all linked to sleep as one of the issues, thyroid issues, um, nutrient deficiencies. Often people are like, I'm supplementing magnesium, but it's not working because some of your other minerals are imbalanced and the magnesium can get into the cells and the body can't use it properly. There might be some issue with calcium, which can be a very calming mineral as well. Um, so heavy metals that might be causing issues like mercury, for example. Um, hmm. So those are things I run functional screenings tests on with my clients. And then I address the, all the physical aspects with them. So we get the stress burden from the physical side down. So the mm -hmm. body can relax. And then we also work on stress management, mindfulness, resilience, to have them be able to create that feeling of I'm, I'm good. I'm safe. I can fall asleep. Okay. Perfect. Um, so how can our listeners get in touch with you? Oh, they could find me in our website. It's called um, sleeplikeaboss.com. And um, yeah, they can either reach out to contact at sleeplikeaboss.com or visit the website. We have a big blog with tons of topics on there. Um, everything to explore around sleep. Um, yeah. And I'd love to support wherever I can. Awesome. I'll sleeplikeaboss.com. Love it. I'll make sure that I put it in the show notes so everyone can reach out to you. Um, do you have any other comments or things that you would, would want to speak about today? I think it's just really, um, don't be too frustrated. It like, if, mm. if you can't sleep, you know, there's yes. And so many people struggle with it. A, you're not alone. Yeah. Even though that's not what we want, right? <laughs> we want people to sleep well. And if you've tried everything get help from somebody. It doesn't have to be me. There's other people out there who maybe just do cognitive behavioral therapy, for instance, um, but get help because if you've tried it for longer and you're not getting there, it's probably that somebody just from a different angle needs to look at it or somebody who kind of sits on your shoulder and helps you and gives you that confidence also that you can do this and, and helps you through the process because it can be yeah, it can be a very long process. Like I have clients who haven't slept for 30, 40 years. Like it's, you cannot, wow. um, you cannot do that by yourself. And things like sleeping pills for most people don't work. And even if you do sleep on them, you're not really sleeping. Yeah. That's something we didn't touch on yet is like those coping mechanisms that, you know, it's, it's almost like a quick fix. You take a, a melatonin or another sleeping pill or you're using marijuana or you're drinking a glass of wine or beer or something before sleep. And it's, what'd you say? Yeah. Don't do that. The alcohol yeah. is it like a really, it's not, it, these things don't work and they put such a, such a burden on the body, um, like medications or alcohol, right. In the end, the body needs to deal with them. The liver needs to deal with them. Um, which can be another reason that you're waking up at three in the morning that your liver just needs some support. Mm -hmm. Um, so really try to, um, yeah, kind of try to hone in what it is. And these, like I said, like a lot of these medications, unfortunately don't work. Mm -hmm. And I, and there's people who like, if for some they do for most, they don't long-term 
unfortunately, because if it was that easy, it'd be great to have that help, even though it's still not natural, right? But really, um, there is help out there and, and our bodies are made to sleep. We're just made to sleep. We just have to figure out what's going wrong and we have to put, put the body back on track and then it can do it. Yeah. And it's almost like using medicine or something is, is a band-aid and it's not getting to the root of the issue. Like if you have a, a cut and you put a band-aid on top, your body is still, it's healing itself underneath of that band-aid. So you really need to get to the root cause of why are you not sleeping? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Annika. Again, you can find her at thesleepmasterymethod.com. I will link her contact information into the show notes here. This was such an awesome show. I hope you guys got as much information as I did out of this episode. With that, I will leave you. Stay happy, stay healthy. This is Devin.